Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. Let's just take a moment and relax. Be reminded that God is right there that you don't need to get his attention, you don't need to do anything or change at all to be 100% with him. Your spirit is in him and with him, and there's no shadow or change, or there's no area in your life that you need to improve or rise above or, you know, get something done in order to get his approval. He loves you and accepts you and values you right now 100%. Just as he, he thinks of you the same way he thinks of his son. And why that's important to us is because it, it keeps us focused on what the real issue is. It's not on pleasing him. We don't have to worry about pleasing God, about even honoring and glorifying him. He does that himself. He honors and glorifies himself. And your spirit is already always involved in that. And, you know, we think of, okay, it's 24-7 that, you know, God is glorified and honored. But he doesn't have time. His, His time, his he created time. He's above it. And time is is not spirit, again, because it was created. But let's take a couple minutes and, and just think about where we want to be. Where What's the end result, the end goal of everything we've been talking about, about the supernatural realm, about strategies and and the homework assignments and that our soul is being reconnected, rejoined to our spirit, what's the end goal? What would it look like? I don't know about you, but I grew up thinking that it was the end result was going to be perfect behavior, that I would always have the right thing to say, I would always... I would be the perfect person, whoever I am. I would always be loving and kind and joyful and, you know, go through all the list of the the, the fruit of the Spirit, that I would be all that, that I would be able to do all that, despite the circumstances. And I think what happens is if we think that that's the end goal, we will try to do that. We will try to be that. What's the saying, you know, never pray for patience because you know that every circumstance that God can think of, he'll put that in your, circum- in your, in your life so you can learn to be patient. But that's a behavior. That's not who you are. That's not your nature. For you and I, what we're looking at is a joining of our soul and our spirit. Not our soul living up to our spirit. Not a soul, our soul learning to live perfectly, be, you know, a particular behavior. 
be worthy of God's love. Be worthy of our own spirit loving our soul. Because all those are still, our soul is separated from our spirit. We come back to your spirit is you. Your soul is something your spirit has. And then both your spirit and soul live in a body for this time zone, for this earth experience. Goal is not to get your soul to shape up. The soul is the problem, definitely. But the goal is not to get it to shape up, to behave correctly, to act like a Christian. You know, isn't that fun? You know, likewise, if we look at our expectations of God, we, you know, and and ministry and how we relate to God, how we relate to others, we think that if we can figure out the formula for what it looks like to be church, you know, how we meet, who's in charge, how many songs we sing, what the you know how the impact the church has on the community, how many people are brought to salvation, whatever the qualifications are. Problem is, is those are all behaviors. Those are all things that, in a lot of ways, you don't even have to be a Christian to do those. To you don't have to be a Christian to evangelize or to have an impact on the community, or to sing, you know, sing worship songs. Now, for you and I, what we're looking at is our soul being reunited with our spirit. That looks like is going to be much more focused or you know, generally focused around a state of being. And what do I mean by this? Think of think of your worst habit. Most people can go, okay, I, I, I got I got what it is. But if you need you know a few seconds, go ahead and take it. What's your worst habit that you wish you didn't have that you'd like to have changed that you know um, just bother you that you've tried to change? that you've tried to overcome. And it could be anything from an addiction to a bad temper. Or just even a bad habit. So we do, it's not about anything, quote, unquote, Christian or spiritual or anything like that. But just anything that you'd like to have changed, that you've tried to change yourself. Now, think how hard it was to try to change that. And how come you couldn't? How come you failed at that? It's because you were trying to do it out of your soul. Out of yourself. Your soul can't change your soul. Yourself can't change your soul. And your soul can't change yourself. Only the spirit can change soul. And... As we begin to 
understand and, and really see what the end result is in God's eyes. It's not about, you know, all these changes taking place, therefore we look like a good Christian. Or we, you know, are good evangelists. Or we change the world. We turn the world upside down. Or we, you know, we end world hunger. Fill in the blank. No, none of those. He, he, if he wanted any of those things to happen, all he has to do is think it, and it's done. He doesn't need our help. But for you and I, what our goal is, what it will look like, is how it's done. The, the, where does the effort come from? Where does the attention come from? I like to use the example of we're all sitting at dinner with, with God. And we're all talking about what's been going on and we're all passing the, the, the different food, the, you know, the dressing and the, the green beans and the turkey, whatever, you know, um, casserole. And we're passing everything around the table. And God says, pass the salt. And the salt is in front of you, so you pass the salt. You give him the salt. And then he uses the salt and he puts it back on the table. Then he talks to someone else and he says, pass the green beans. And they pass the green beans. And he has green beans. Then he turns to someone else and he says, go raise the dead. Go, go raise Max over there. And the person gets up off up from the table and goes and, and heals or raises from the dead Max and then comes back and sits back down. And that goes on. And it's all the same. The behavior, whether we're passing the salt or raising the dead, the behavior doesn't matter. It's all in process anyway. Because the end result is about the source, is about the reality, is we are so focused on our behavior, we're missing out on the opportunity to be, to be spirit. We talk about live and move and have our being as a spirit being. Again, this is not a surprise to anybody. This is not a surprise to God because we have so long lived out of our soul, your mind, your will, and emotions. And one of the main drivers of our soul that God made it so is to control. So this is what your soul does. As your soul is reunited with your spirit, it's not that you are more successful at living with your soul. It's that your soul is reunited with your spirit and no longer has a separate mind, will, and emotions. Your, your soul is part of your spirit. You're still an individual. And who knows what this looks like? 
you know, on an experiential level. I suspect we've all had a taste. I think we, if, if for, for nothing else, we have a taste at salvation. If you've had any kind of a, you know, above supernatural experience, that's a taste of what it's like to live as a spirit being where your soul is reconnected with your spirit. Now your soul, it's not an either or. Your soul is is not either all all restored or none not restored at all. It's a gradual thing. We could say it's like a percentage thing. It's one percent restored. It's ten percent restored. Thirty percent restored. Forty one point six five percent restored. God's the only one who can restore your soul. And He knows the order, and He knows. The purpose, he knows how to do it. But what will it feel like? What will it look like? How will we know we're doing it? None of those will be on our front burner. None of us, none of those things will be what we judge how we're doing. It will be being one with God, enjoying his presence hearing him clearly, being, you know, the more we spend time enjoying him and then just passing the salt or the green beans or raising the dead, turning the world upside down, walking on water, doing whatever he says go do, it's the same. It's all the same. Because it's not about our behavior. It's not about what we do. It's it's about who we are. Your soul being reunited to your spirit. And what would that feel like? It would be effortless. That doesn't mean that there's no work involved. You know, you're, you're passing the salt. There's work there. You're... Heal, you know, you're rest- restoring someone, you know, raising them from the dead. There's work there. You, have, you, you go to that place and you do it. There's effort. There's trial and error. There's things we learn. But it's not about pleasing God or measuring up or satisfying him, making him happy, honoring him or glorifying him. It's Instead, it's all about receiving from him unconditionally and it flowing through your soul because your soul is now one with your spirit and it be funneled into this earth zone. One of the reasons we struggle with this simplicity of Christ, the simplicity of being in him and with him, is it undermines a lot of our doctrine, a lot of our concept of church, a lot of our concept of what it means to be a Christian. Now, my background, my my family's heritage background is Quaker. And it's been interesting learning about their approach. And I'm sure there's there's other branches of Christianity, kinds of Christianity, that have similar kinds of uh, approaches. But they don't 
meet for the purpose of studying the Bible or ministering to one another or, uh, you know, even singing. They specifically focus on, at least this is what came through in, in my family line, they specifically don't want to do that, don't want to have a special day because every day is the Lord's. And every activity is that relationship with God. It doesn't matter what you're doing. There's no specialness about meeting with God because it's every breath. And there's parts of that that really hopefully are encouraging that it's not about missing a certain time, knowing what's the right thing to do under each circumstance. Breath is with him. And it's not about achieving something or about, you know, uh, 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 you know another level, you know, going to the next level, finding your purpose. If you, if you stop and think of what you, what you hear on a regular basis, for most, not all, but most Christian, denominational, you know, modern, uh, religious movements, it's about behavior. It's about achieving something. It's about doing a new thing, a new, you know, revival, a new revelation. It's about the next big thing. God may use those things. You know, he had, he's arranged for all of it. So he's got con- complete control over everything that's going on in the denominations, in the churches. But let me just pose, what would happen if churches were no longer tax-exempt? Most churches would not survive. Most denominational or non-denominational churches, because people wouldn't give, because they've been taught to give to to, to donate, to get a tax break, or because it pleases, they're going to get something, a reward from God. If you start teaching them, saying, "Look, no, you give because it's your new nature, because you are a giver, you are a giving person." For no other reason, you ask God, okay, you know, this is, is this some place you want me to give? How much? And then you do it and you're done. You pass the salt. You're not going to get any extra credit whether you pass the salt or raise the dead. Because it's not about your behavior. You know, Jesus turned the water into wine. Everybody, you know, studies that, or a lot of people. Why, why, did he, why was that his first miracle? You know, I, I don't think it was. But it might have been his first that was recorded, that people saw, that people started to draw their attention. Certainly don't think it was his first miracle. But it's the first one we know about, turning water into wine. 
oh, what's the significance? Oh, he was blessing marriage. No, he was blessing, you know, customs and how important it was to be in community. You know, fill in the blank. It doesn't matter. He was doing what his father was, who his father was in him at that moment. That's all that mattered. You know, and I think that's so significant that when Jesus was on the cross, he cried out, Father, why have you forsaken me? You've been in me and with me all this time, and now you're not. And at that moment, all he had to do was give a thought to come down from that cross, and and that would have been it. He could have done that. He could have... He could have turned the world upside down. He could have turned back time to before the Lamb was slain, before the foundation of the world. He could have done it. He could have undone, prevented the the pain, the agony he was going through. He could have changed his circumstances, and he didn't. Because it wasn't about behavior. Now, does that mean what he did didn't matter? Of course not. But it was because God was doing it. Spirit, soul, and body, one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. However we want to rephrase that. He he was whole and complete and entire God. And he was doing what he was, the Savior of the world. Who was he, the savior of the world? What was he doing? He was saving the world. However, however that might have looked, you know, let's say it wasn't it wasn't hanging on a cross. There was something else that that would have filled, you know, fit that bill for your life. You might think, okay, this is God's call on my life. The call doesn't matter. The caller is who matters, is who matters. Because you know what? He may call you to point A and then point X and then point T and then back to B. None of that matters. It's, it's God himself, your soul being restored to your spirit. We, uh, you know, again, we, we like to think that if we're in God's will, things will go right. We, you know, if we're hearing him clearly, never make a mistake. You know, that there are things that we can control about our life to make our life easier. And that's just not true. That's not God's purpose for us. What is his purpose for us? And that's what matters is his purpose for us. That's to be one, spirit, soul, and body. So he is working in you and through you to reunite your soul and your spirit. On a moment-by-moment, breath-by-breath basis. You know, I think that's there's a lot of significance and won't go into it too much now about, you know, Jesus being resurrected and then he appeared amongst, you know, his disciples 
made himself known to them, and then rose into the air, rose into the breath, rose into the presence of the Father and our presence. And there's different, you know, I won't go through all the different references, the different descriptions about the importance of breath and air. And that's just as vital and present to our physical body. We, we're, you have air all around you. Unless you're in space, you have air all around you. And it's something that's vital to us. Well, likewise, it's the same for our soul. Is your soul has spirit available. And we're learning to breathe spirit. And it's something we haven't experienced before. We've had taste. You know, taste and see that the Lord is good. Not know. It's not know and understand that the Lord is good. It's not, you know, um, get a revelation. It's not change the world and see the Lord is good. It's taste and see that the Lord is good. Experience him. And it's it's not about events. You know, and this is part of our, our problem with having church services. We go and we go to church and, you know, whatever it is you do, however often you go, you know, it's this is where where we're at. This is fine. But that's not relationship. It's an event. And even as you're breathing in right now, listening to this, that breath that you're breathing in, these are your circumstances. These are the 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 situation that God has crafted for you. Your very presence. You're very now learning, you know, and this is, again, learning about the supernatural realm, hearing sounds that you've never heard before, seeing things you've never seen before, because you've been using your natural ears and your natural eyes. You have solical hearing and solical sight, but you've never needed them. So we've talked about, okay, what are the three things you can do? And hopefully you've been been practicing some and in any area where you've been struggling, you've been working on that. And, again, you're always welcome to, to, to drop me a line at diane at therainersclub.org or use the contact form or through Blog Talk Radio if you have additional questions. But we know that there's, you know, waiting on him and speaking in tongues and fasting. Those three things are things we can all do, incorporate into our lives so our soul can learn how to live in union with our spirit. Those three things make our soul the most available to our spirit. Now start, you know, we're just going to go through it real quick. Start where you're at. If if this is something new to you, 
focus on on it until you learn. If you're if you're not sure about what waiting is, it's not just it's not strictly meditation because that you know so many people have their own connotations. It's simply making yourself available to him. It's like I, I liken it to sunbathing. You just lay there, and just as you can feel and understand and expect that the sun's rays are beating down on you, simply by you being present in the sun, the sun is having an effect on you. You don't need to be thinking the right thing or saying the right thing or anything, but just making yourself available to him. And then there's speaking in tongues. We'll have to go through what my my idea about what goes on. But for that and fasting, those are a step up from waiting because there's energizing that happens in the soul that invites uh, interaction with spirit for both speaking in tongues and fasting. You can do any kind of fasting. It doesn't matter, even if it's fasting from your favorite Netflix series or fasting from, you know, uh, chewing gum, whatever. It can be food. It can be activity. But what that does is it affects your natural body and, in turn, affects your soul. And likewise, speaking in tongues affects your soul. A little bit affects your body. But come up with a schedule. doesn't have to be big. Let's say, you know, 30 minutes a day of waiting, 10 minutes of speaking in tongues, and fasting from some, for something for three hours a week. Start there. Just come up with something. Because all that's doing is putting you in the mindset of just being available to God, that he's going to do the work. So we'll pick it up here next week. Again, feel free to drop me a line at, at Diana, Diana at org. Thanks for tuning in. This has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night.